Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Land Grant Holy Land's basketball expert, Connor Lamonts. Connor, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We are coming to you on Tuesday, November 5th, one day before the 121st edition of the Ohio State men's basketball team opens their season against the Cincinnati Bearcats tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The Buckeyes will enter the 2019-2020 season as the number 18 team in the AP poll, number 11 according to Ken Pomeroy's metrics, and ESPN's Joe Lenardi has them as a three seed in the NCAA tournament in his final preseason bracketology. So, Connor, this might predate, you might have been like, I don't know, like in fifth grade the last time that Ohio State had legitimate expectations going into a season. It's it's definitely the highest expectations that anybody has had for a Chris Holtman-led Ohio State team. Going into it, what do you think about the excitement they that fans seem to have around the country for Buckeye basketball and how that, you know, kind of plays into what the Buckeyes are going to do on the season? Yeah, I think it's really been building the last couple of years. I think when when Holtman came in the first year, everybody was a little bit uh, timid and wanted to see how things panned out. And obviously he took what we all thought was kind of an empty cabinet where he didn't we thought that he didn't have a whole lot of talent there. And he turned that into, you know, NCAA tournament team almost won the Big Ten. And every year it's gotten a little bit. The hype's kind of increased a little bit. I know last year uh, they sold out a, game, a home game against Iowa, which is the first home sellout in like four or five years. I think we're going to see even more home sellouts this year because it's the first year probably since they had the year with D'Angelo Russell, um, since they've had you know this much excitement around that team. Yeah, and a lot of that excitement comes from the fact that the roster is still predominantly pretty young, but there's a lot of really good talent in the last two recruiting classes, but especially this freshman uh, recruiting class coming in for the first time uh, this fall. It is lined with a number of top prospects. There are four freshmen and a transfer upperclassman from Florida State, CJ Walker. But you have um, Ibrahima Diallo, who was kind of the added on big man at the end of the class, but you've got Alonzo Gaffney, DJ Carton, and EJ Liddell, all players that are, you know, coming in with a lot of expectations. They were all high four-star guys, if not higher. Um, What do you think about this group? What did we see from that Cedarville scrimmage exhibition game? How do you think that these players are going to be incorporated into what Holtman is doing on the floor, especially early in the season? Yeah, I was at the Cedarville game. I sat right behind the basket, and DJ Carton was the one that really jumped out at me. I thought that he might actually, he may have earned himself a start against Cincinnati. I've since heard and seen things, especially online, that it looks like it's still going to be CJ Walker tomorrow night. But uh, Carton showed that he's got a jumper, he's got a mid range, he's crazy explosive, crazy athletic. The ankle looks good. He dunked like four times. Um, I think he had 15 points and five assists, only turned the ball over once. So. He's legit. I think that he's going to be like an NBA draft guy, if not this year, the next year, especially as he gets bigger and stronger. Um, EJ Liddell and Gaffney both also are guys that I think like their ceiling also could be the draft, but definitely not this year, possibly the next year or after their junior year. Um, and like you said, Diallo is, and, and Holtman has said that Diallo is a little bit of a work in progress. He's going to give them minutes, probably mop-up minutes, and also if Caleb gets in foul trouble early, um, he's mostly going to be there for rebounds and defense and whatever they can get from him on offense is probably going to be a bonus, at least this year. 
Um, but it's looking like all four of those freshmen are going to come off the bench, which wasn't what really anybody thought. But Chris Holtman definitely is a guy that leans on his his older players as, we, as we've seen the first couple years. And even though DJ Carton looked like he had a better game last week against Cedarville, I think that Holtman is going to roll C.J. Walker out there um, tomorrow against Cincinnati. Yeah, and C.J. Walker is that redshirt junior transfer point guard from Florida State. Sat out last year, practiced with the team all last year. So he is familiar with Chris Holtman's offense, with a lot of the sophomores and upperclassmen uh, that are on the team. What did you see from him? Ohio State fans haven't seen much of him, even though he's been a part of the program for more than a year now. When I spoke to Joey Lane on a previous podcast, he had nothing but glowing things to say about C.J. Walker. But Cedarville was really the first time anybody's been able to see him on the floor since his Florida State days. Yeah, what I noticed was he really wants to push tempo. Um, I don't know if that comes from Chris Holtman wanting him to push tempo or if that's just how he's always played. But, I mean, as soon as C.J. Walker got the ball, either a rebound himself or somebody grabbed a rebound and got up to him to, you know, bring the ball up the floor, he's he's going, he's running. And he had a good game. I think he had 10, but he did turn the ball over twice. He didn't have any assists. Um, but his jumper, he looks like he's a good shooter, not a great shooter. He's very aggressive and gets to the basket well, but he's not a very good, um, I shouldn't say good, he is not a huge guy, so I don't expect him to be a threat um, down below the basket a whole lot. He's probably going to be more of a distributor um, as he works in that jumper. He's probably a little bit rusty, too. He's, he has practiced with the team consistently. He's in every single practice for the past year, but he hasn't seen any live game action for a year, so it might be a couple games before we really see what he's capable of. But I also think, I agree, I think he's going to be great for them. Chris Holtman is doing a great job adding transfers, even if they have to sit a year, continuously adding depth to this team. Um, but yeah, C.J. Walker, is, he's going to be a good one. It just might be a few games until he's really rolling because he's had to sit and watch for a whole year now. So what is the starting lineup likely going to look like? Is it going to be the same that it was against Cedarville? Is it going to be the Wesson brothers, obviously, with Caleb down low? Andre on a wing, I guess C.J. Walker uh, running the point, and then do we mix in Dwayne Washington Jr., um, Luther Muhammad? Where, what is that starting five, do you think it's going to be? Or is Kyle Young going to get mixed in there too? What's that, what is your expectation either for what we're going to see against Cincinnati or what it actually eventually evolves into later in the season? Yeah, I think you're going to see the same starting five uh, against Cincinnati that you saw against Cedarville. So you'll have C.J. Walker uh, handling the ball. Luther Muhammad will be kind of your two guard not handling the ball but he'll be working off the ball Luther can he can bring the ball up the floor he can distribute but we've seen that um you know he had some turnover issues last year when he was expected to 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 handle the ball mainly that's really not his thing and both Wesson brothers yeah Caleb and Andre Caleb will be down low playing the I guess power forward slash center I will I call him a center a lot of people will consider him a forward and Kyle Young started against Cedarville I thought it was going to be EJ Liddell, but it was Kyle Young, and Kyle Young played great. He almost had a double-double. He looks healthy. He's moving very well. He had that leg injury last year. So I'm a little surprised that he's using Kyle Young in there because he's so limited offensively of you know, where he can contribute on the floor. Basically, it's in the paint is all that he's going to give you. You're not going to see any jumpers from Kyle Young this year. Um, but he played great. He almost had a double-double. Like I said, he had 10 points, 9 rebounds, I think, and... Now that Caleb Wesson has gotten thinner and he can move out towards a three-point line more, that is what makes Kyle Young valuable because as Caleb Wesson moves out a little farther away from the basket and teams have to respect that, 
they're going to pull defenders away from Kyle Young, who is essentially a second center. And that is going to be very tough to guard Kyle Young down low when you're um, committing multiple defenders to Caleb. And as the season goes on, I think you're going to see DJ Carden potentially work his way into the starting lineup, um, or it could be just like it was against Cedarville, where CJ started the game. He ended up playing less minutes than DJ Carton did in the whole game. So you could see CJ be the quote-unquote starter, but DJ work himself in just as much as CJ. And then EJ Liddell and Alonzo Gaffney will also be one of the first guys off the bench. I think Diallo is going to be probably your back end off the bench, even behind yeah. like Arns. And he may even redshirt Holtman said that he's not planning on having any buddy redshirt, but if everybody stays healthy and it turns out they just don't need him that much, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up redshirting Diallo. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that Caleb seems to be in better shape than he has been in any of his previous uh, seasons coming out in Ohio State. Now, we've often heard that he's in the best shape of his life, and then I think his freshman year, he got he had a serious illness over the summer leading into the season. Then last year, he was injured coming into the season, so he kind of lost some of that physical fitness but having seen him in some interviews and seeing him against cedarville he i mean with without any shade at all he looks like half the man he used to be i mean he looks like he is in really really good shape which is exciting for a guy that at times struggled not only to keep up in transition and keep up in terms of stamina but also the fact that he wasn't as, as athletic and quick as some of the players that he was guarding led to foul trouble as well quite a bit in his first two seasons yeah absolutely and another thing that i noticed with caleb because he's slimmer, a lot of the threes that Caleb would shoot in previous seasons were more of uh, Caleb Wesson is trailing. You know, like Ohio State grabs rebound, they rush down the other end, and Caleb is trailing. He stops at the top of the key, and he gets a three there. Um, and, you know, he was a solid three-point shooter, but not great the last couple years. Against Cedarville, it, those weren't the threes he was taking. He was not taking threes that he kind of stumbled down the floor, was the last one there, and, oh, hey, look, Caleb's open at the top. Let's get it to him. They were design plays to get him open outside to shoot threes, and he was taking them confidently, did not care who was in front of him. So it's kind of the dry, boring answer of what I'm most excited for, but I'm so excited to see how well he plays in these first few games where we have some really tough opponents because I really think that he could play himself even into the NBA draft, which the last few years people were saying, you know, he's just too big. The NBA is kind of moving more towards the centers that can shoot and that are quick. And he's always been a little bit overweight, a little bit slow, you know, big, strong guy, but he just didn't reflect what the NBA was moving towards. And now he's kind of moving in that direction. So I'm really excited to see what he's able to do this season. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that he is re looking really confident in shooting the three-point ball. Something that you wrote about uh, a few weeks ago is the fact that the NCAA has moved the three-point line back. It has been moved to the international FIBA distance, I believe. Uh, I know you did a lot of uh, stat analysis about how this is going to impact the different teams in the Big Ten. Just in a quick nutshell, I don't expect you to kind of run through all of it, but who did you think that this three-point change was going to hurt who would it help and how is it going to impact Ohio State from the shooting department do you think yeah that was uh I think on the 20th is when I put we put that out and yeah so the basically the piece I did on that was I tried to give a very like thorough explanation of of who in the Big Ten this line changing would impact and I tried to break it down with statistics with, you know, how many total points teams scored divided by basically how many points they scored off of threes. And that ignores the three point percentage, because I think 
when you move the three-point line back, all the teams in college basketball are probably going to get hurt percentage-wise a little bit. Sure, whatever, right. they were, whatever they were at, they're going to scoot back a little bit. But what I wanted to see was which teams scored the most of their, their points off of threes because those are the teams that are probably going to regress the most due to this line. And the, the team in the Big Ten that it's going to hurt the most, and I think that everybody would guess, is Purdue because when you played Purdue last year, it was just a constant barrage of threes. It was Carson Edwards and it was Ryan Klein – um, and they had a couple other guys off the bench, Aaron Wheeler, that would just destroy you. I think it was about 40% of their offense came from threes. And all of those guys are gone. Um, Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, they're both gone. Um, and Purdue's whole offense was was designed around the three-point ball. So they're either going to have to change how their offense works this year, or you're going to see a serious regression from Purdue offensively. You also had Michigan and Northwestern at the top. And I don't mean to constantly... Um, crap on Northwestern, but I was very uh, shocked to see that Northwestern depended on the three-point ball so much last year when they were, percentage-wise, either the worst or the second worst in the Big Ten. So they continued to shoot threes, continued to rely on threes, even when they weren't making them, and that kind of reflects where they ended up in the standings last year. (laughs) Yeah. So how is this going to impact Ohio State? Do you think this is going to Hurt them, help them. Will the change be negligible? Well, Ohio State was actually fourth in the percent of offense from three-pointers last year behind Purdue, Michigan, and Northwestern. So initially I thought yes. However, the guys that Ohio State has coming in, the the new additions to this team really aren't guys that you're going to look at as like snipers, that they're going to be sitting on the three-point line looking for offense there. Uh, I don't think DJ Carton is going to be a guy that's going to be shooting a ton of threes. And obviously Liddell, Gaffney, Diallo, none of those guys are going to have the majority of their offense come from the three-point line. And I think C.J. Walker might be too soon to tell, but from what I've seen, he's a a fine shooter, but not fantastic. Um, So I think that you're going to see Ohio State have a lot more space with the three-point line extending to actually work the ball inside, move off of a lot of screens. And Chris Holtman seemed pretty excited about it, actually. When they asked him at Ohio State's media day, he said, when you move that line back, you just give us a whole lot more space to kind of get tricky, use screens more and cut to the basket a lot more. Um, so I actually think it's going to impact Ohio State less than a lot of teams, just based on the personnel that they have right now. But another thing you mentioned earlier is the fact that you're excited to see how this team plays against some really tough competition in the non-conference schedule. They're, I mean, this is, I, I haven't gone back and compared it to other seasons, but this seems like a ridiculous amount of high-profile non-conference games, especially considering that the Big Ten season actually does kick off with two games in December. Before they get to 2020, they're playing Cincinnati, obviously, tomorrow night. They're playing Villanova, North Carolina, Kentucky, um, West Virginia. I feel like I might be missing one one other one, but it's a, it's a pretty loaded slate of non-conference games that it's really going to show us just how good this team can be and also will probably give them the opportunity to grow and bond together as a team on the floor for when they do really hit the stretch run of the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, this is they might have the toughest non-conference schedule in America and that's me not having looked at everybody else's non-conference schedule. I could be totally wrong, but I would be shocked uh, to find more than a couple teams that are playing that many talented teams this early because that's really why you schedule these, you know, the Kent States and the Stetsons and the UMass Lowell early is to get that team chemistry going, to really get your offense down and 
see what you're working with with the personnel you have and then once you move into the conference schedule and you're playing tougher teams you're really in a groove well ohio state has four freshmen and a transfer who are all going to see significant minutes and they're going to start the season playing you know cincinnati and villanova in the first two weeks um and it's going to be tough but i think that ohio state has the talent to beat I think they can beat all of these teams. I don't think they're going to go 5-0 and in those those five difficult games that you said, but I think when you look at each game individually, there's reason to believe that they can beat each of those teams. Yeah, and obviously we there's all these great new players that are really exciting. Obviously, Caleb Wesson has people really interested to see how he looks. He's been the best player on the team, uh, or he was the best player on the team last year. Um but I, I continue to think, and I, I know that you feel probably fairly similar, that really the player that's going to probably lead the way for this team, and, and might have even done so last year, is a player that doesn't get a ton of recognition, and that's Caleb's older brother, Andre. This will be the last time that they get to play together at Ohio State this season, um, and he's a guy who has really worked his way into being an invaluable member of the Ohio State team. He's the only senior on the Buckeyes roster this year, at least the only one that's going to play at, uh, at all, really. What do you expect to be his role as we kind of work in the five freshmen, the one or the four freshmen, the transfer, and still dealing with a lot of, of sophomores as well who are going to be called upon to contribute too? Yeah, I don't statistically. I'm not sure if you're going to see him jump a whole lot. Um, you know, I think he scored about eight and a half points per game last year. Maybe four rebounds, a couple assists. Off the top of my head, I think that's right around where he was. Um, this team is more talented than last year's team, I think, and there'll be more offensive weapons for this team. So I don't think that statistically Andre is going to jump a totally. whole lot. That makes sense. You saw yeah. that jump between sophomore and junior year because he went from playing like 15 minutes a game to a starter. So you saw him go from two and a half to like eight points a game, which is still which is still solid and definitely was a big contribution to the team. Um, but I don't think you're going to see that huge jump this year again. More so, it's going to be him leading those young guys by example. He said that he's been trying to be more of a vocal leader, but it seems like the vocal leader on that team really is C.J. Walker, and Andre Wesson is more of a lead-by-example guy. And you see him lead-by-example just kind of by how hard he plays. I mean, he's diving on the floor. He's losing teeth, hit, smacking his face in the floor, going for loose balls. He's diving into the seats. He's, uh, you know, I wrote in that piece about Andre about when he guarded Isaac Haas two years ago. Yeah, um, I talk about Haas, that. I talk about that game every time someone asks me to tell them about Andre Wesson. Yeah, I mean, Isaac Haas is like seven foot four or something stupid like that, and you know, his hands were like the size of my whole torso. And Andre Wesson is, you know, six foot six, and you know, Holtman's like, hey, your brother's can't handle base can't handle yeah. Haas basically I need you to go out there and give me whatever you've got and he did such a great job and you know he, there's just examples that you I think can, he shut him down didn't he like he only scored like two points in the second half or something when Andre was guarding him yeah so Caleb when Caleb had him in the first half he scored 16 and then in the second half when Andre moved on to him he scored two and I think that Ohio State only won that game by two because that was the game where Kata tipped it in at the buzzer and mm -hmm. they were able to leave Mackey with a win but um the things that Andre does that are so um, important to this team usually don't show up in the box score. There's, it's the stuff like that that you really need to have watched the game and really been paying attention to understand how important he is to this team. Yeah, Buckeye basketball fans love a gritty guy who's willing to dive on the floor, whether it's Aaron Kraft going back to Chris Gent, uh, Andre Wesson very much in that uh, in that uh, legacy there. I'm excited to see what he can do as a, as a senior, but uh, all right, let's take a step back from the Ohio state team and kind of look at the entire big 10 as a whole. 
I don't know that this is the best Big Ten that we've had in recent years. There was a while there where the Big Ten had a legitimate argument to be the best conference in the country. I don't know that they are able to make that claim this season as the ACC has kind of rebounded a little bit to be a really great conference again. But there's still a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten, Michigan State. Purdue, Maryland, Ohio State. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with Howard and Michigan. But you went through and did a uh, prediction as to the finishing order of everybody in the Big Ten. Where do you think the Buckeyes stack up against the the elite teams in the conference heading into the season? Yeah, so when we put the piece out, I had Ohio State at four. I'm going to leave them at four, but I am – kind of going back and forth between Ohio State and Purdue three and four uh, just because I really do like the talent that Purdue still has they still have uh, Isaac Haas there who is just or I'm sorry not Isaac Haas I get him in the other seven footer I get Haas and Harms flip sometimes um, Matt Harms is their you know seven foot center now he's still there and Nogel Eastern is one of the best defenders I think in the country and he is still there um, so I think Purdue is going to be really good again. I would not be shocked if Ohio State actually ended up second or third, but I have them fourth right now. The talent they have in that team, they totally could end up as the second or third team, or you know, they could even challenge Michigan State because Michigan State just lost Josh Lankford. Um, they lost Kenny Goins to graduation. Nick Ward left. So Michigan State is also a very talented team, but that one through four I think is kind of like your tier one, and then there's definitely a gap before you get to anybody else. So Ohio State, three or four in the Big Ten, that would obviously lead like uh, Joe Lenardi has them as a top 12 team heading into the NCAA tournament. What do you think uh, ends up happening for them in terms of uh, you have any predictions for like the all Big Ten selections, any player of the year recognitions, freshman of the year, anything like that? I think that Caleb Wesson definitely – should be an all Big Ten selection at the end of the season. Um, I was looking through kind of all of the rosters at, at guys, and there are definitely, I think, a lot more good guards in the league this year than there are good big men. Um, so I think that Caleb should end up as an all Big Ten selection if he plays the way that we think he's going to play. Um, if Ohio State exceeds expectations, they're projected to be, you know, anywhere from two to four in the in the conference. If they end up, you know, maybe beating Michigan State and winning the Big Ten championship or the Big Ten tournament. Wouldn't be shocked if Chris Holtman got Big Ten Coach of the Year. Um, but there's nobody else really on the team other than you could see like a DJ Carton as as Big Ten Freshman of the Year potentially if he works his way into the starting lineup. Um, but because this team is so young, Caleb is the only one that I really see on that team as a serious like could be an all Big Ten you know selection or Player of the Year, that kind of thing. All right. I think that makes sense. I mean, it, it's it's been tough to get Buckeyes on that team for the last few years because it has been uh, kind of a, a one-man show in a lot of ways, whether that was KBD or, or Caleb last year being the most consistent players, especially on offense. But um, all right. So two, three, four, maybe getting a chance to get up higher in the Big Ten. That's all well and good. But Ohio State has gotten to the NCAA tournament the last two years won their first round game in both years, but lost in the round of 32. How far do you see sitting here as we're recording on Monday, November 4th, where do you see them ending their season either in late March, early April? Uh, where do you think that actually ends up for them? Well, when I was writing all this, the season preview kind of stuff, I was thinking, you know, sweet 16, possibly an elite eight. 
as their ceiling. But after I watched them play Cedarville, which Cedarville is, is D2, so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah. the way that they're going to play and the way they're going to run their offense is probably going to be similar to what they did against Cedarville. And I was so impressed with them in that scrimmage against Cedarville that I was sitting there thinking, wow, like this team has what it takes possibly to get to a Final Four. The amount of talent that they've got right now, the way that they seem, you know, just in however many weeks of practice they've had, um, to have this offense you know, all under wraps, all lined up. Everybody seems to know their role. And I I don't know if they're a Final Four caliber team. I want to see them play, like, against Cincinnati tomorrow. That's going to be big for me because they beat Cedarville by 40-some points. They're not going to beat Cincinnati by 40-some points. But Cincinnati has always been a hard-nosed defensive team. Teams don't usually score more than 65, 70 points in a game against them. So I really want to see how they play against Cincinnati to help gauge, um, you know, how far this team can go. But from what I saw in that scrimmage, they've got so much talent on that roster that I would not be shocked if they made a run to the Elite Eight or to the Final Four, especially if those freshmen play the way that we thought that they would when they all committed and everybody was so excited about you know, how good DJ Carton is, you know, the D'Angelo Russell comps and EJ Liddell and uh, Gaffney and the Kata Bates-Diop comparisons. So the ceiling is really high with this team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So basically, you heard it here first. Land Grant Holy Land's Connor Lamonts just predicted that Ohio State would win the uh, 2020 NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship. Mark it down. Put money on it. It is a done deal. It's official. You can't go back on it now, Connor. And if you win your bracket, you can Venmo me uh, one-fourth <laughs> of your winnings. There you go. I like it. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll make sure that we uh, put that out on social for you. But uh, all right. I, I'm really excited. I mean, one of the things that I think that Chris Holtman has brought to Columbus and that that was not there in the final few years of the Thad Mata era is that his teams are just fun to watch. I mean, they might, they might not always be the best team on the floor, but you know, they're going to play hard. They're, they're going to play mostly pretty smart. They might not have the athletes that some of the teams they played against in the first years had, but they've been, you know, a really enjoyable group of guys, both in terms of how they play and just their personalities as well. So I'm really, really pumped to get the uh, basketball season going. Obviously, it's tough for Buckeye fans to split their focus between football and basketball. But I think that if you're able to pry yourself away from the next two weeks of football playing against Maryland and Rutgers, which are basically essentially buys uh, and put a little bit of focus on uh, the basketball team, you're going to be rewarded because it's a it's a really fun group. And I'm excited to see what happens with them over the next few weeks as they open up the season. Connor, thanks so much for uh, breaking all this stuff down with us. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, having you not only write about the men's basketball team, but also joining us here on the podcast occasionally. For all of you listeners, if you are finding this podcast on the website, don't forget to go to your favorite podcasting app and subscribe so that you get all of the Lane Grant Holy Land audio goodness in your ear holes as soon as it's downloaded. We will be bringing you at least one episode every single day during the football regular season up to and through the Big Ten Championship game if they make it there, which knock on wood let's assume they do and also don't forget to follow land grant holy land on twitter at land grant 33 connor where can people follow you on twitter yeah so my handle on twitter is at the real c underscore lemons l-e-m-o-n-s one more time that's too complicated come on man (laughs) um so my twitter handle is at the real c and then underscore and then my just my last name lemons l-e-m-o-n-s spelled just like lemons but it's not lemons but it is not. No, it's it's actually Le Mans. <laughs> is it French or what is that? Yeah, it is, I have French on my dad's side. But when I was 
playing sports and stuff growing up, uh, you know, coaches just said lemons and now friends call me lemons and stuff. So a lot of people do call me lemons. But my last name is uh, actually pronounced Lemons. Kind of like Greg Lemond, the guy who uh, won the Tour de France a few times. No? That's actually what my, my high school biology teacher asked me. He was like, oh, it's like the uh, something about a... Uh, like a race car driver and I was like I have no I have no idea man that's about it. you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at BWWMATT thanks for listening everybody we will talk to you soon and of course go Bucks. go Bucks